Hey guys, welcome back to Tribe of Unicorns. I'm your host, Kendra, and today I'm speaking with Amanda Cottrell. She's an author, educator, and artist. Her passion is education and creativity, and she was noticing gaps in the curriculum. She decided to write her own series of children's books to support kids in expressing themselves in mindful ways, connecting to their creativity on a deeper level. There are so many people that have always wanted to write a book, and a lot of times they get stopped or blocked by technical know-how. Amanda's here to tell you how she did it and inspire you to do it yourself. So grab a cup of coffee. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Tribe of Unicorns. I'm here today with Amanda Cottrell. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, I'm happy to be here. How are you? Oh, good. I'm so excited to have you here. Amanda is the owner of Art, Mindfulness, and Creativity, and she is a teacher, and she's written a half a dozen, actually more than a half a dozen books. (laughs) So tell us about everything. I want to know Um, about the books. I want to know about your journey. Um, Where did this all come from? Um, Well, I've I've wanted for a while to write children's books. Even um, as soon as I started teaching, I was like, there needs to be some better books (laughs) in the classroom, especially with the curriculum. I'm like, there isn't any books that match with what we're supposed to be teaching. And so I always question, where do the policymakers choose what we have to teach and then why don't they why aren't there resources that really help us build a strong inquiry for kids to really engage in this these topics and so that's one of the reasons why I started writing the other thing that I started working on is I'm really big on mental health in kids and on mindfulness and empowerment and so my very first book was called it's okay to feel and it took me four years to finally get it out to the world I initially had planned only to write the book and make it on my Mac and print it off like you print photo books and have one copy in my classroom and I would just use it in my classroom. (laughs) But the world had a different um, plan for me. And so I actually ended up meeting or following this lady on Instagram who was also a teacher. And she was a teacher in Calgary and I live in Calgary. And she had stopped teaching. She had too many kids. She had three kids and she started, she wrote a book and she published it on Amazon, self-published. And then she, it did nothing for the, for the year. Like her friends and family bought it and then nothing. And then she learned how to advertise on Amazon. And now that's her job. She is doing really, really well at it. So I just so happened to be really lucky that somebody tagged me in a post on Facebook when she was looking for an illustrator, because I'd illustrated a book for another lady. And I started following this lady and I said, Oh, man, my book could be on Amazon. Like, (laughs) this is really cool. I need to connect with her and learn how to do this. And so she happened to be teaching at the teachers convention that I that we go to every year so I signed up for her speaking event and I went and I met her and I said I follow you on Instagram (laughs) I'm not a stalker but like somehow we have friends that are together because somebody posted me on a, a post or connected me on a post that you posted on on Facebook looking for an illustrator and I, I really want to learn about how you self-publish on Amazon. And so she was teaching a course and it was just a course with three people for like three hours in yeah. Okotoks one night, which is a small town outside of Calgary. So I went, I, wa- I really wanted to go, but I was like, I have my daughter, I'm a single mom. 
can I just come and like let her watch a movie on their iPad and, <laughs> and sit and listen? And she, it was like the day of the event, the day of the workshop. And she's like, absolutely. So I didn't know how many people would be there or anything, but there was only three of us and I learned so much. And so instead of deciding to just make one copy of my book, I, I went to another course that she taught and then I actually paid her to like, just sit with me and teach me. Um, once my book was at the point where it could be published and then we it just kind of went from there and then I started learning how to market if anybody has anybody decides to write a book and self-publish you also need to learn how to market because yeah. that's my that's my big, biggest weakness is that I don't have a lot of followers on on social media and I'm trying to grow that and to learn how to advertise on Amazon but it mm -hmm. is just like so much information all the time and so much to learn and I it's funny one time I was I was teaching and I had published a couple books and one of my students said well we don't need to learn math Miss Cottrell because when I grow up I'm just going to be a book author like you and I was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> well then you definitely need to know math <laughs> yeah she's like why and I said well in order to be able to publish my book, I need to know how many pages are in my book. Then I need to know based on the mathematics, how based on how many pages that tells me how big I have to make my cover. And it's like all these decimal numbers and everything that you have to figure out to make your cover. And then there's like the marketing piece where if I'm spending money on ads, am I making money or am I losing money? And then there's like the conversion because it's all in US dollars and I live in Canada so it's like there is so much math just being a involved in book marketing that you you need to know math yeah I'm sorry <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah, that's a let me tell you how important this is and how important it is to learn how to read graphs because on my Amazon dashboard there's like all these graphs and I don't know what the numbers mean <laughs> I'm just sitting there going how can I help kids learn how important these things are? Because yeah. data is huge and algorithms are huge. And the more that we can help kids learn how important those are and even help me learn how important those are, because understanding algorithms is, is uh, just where my whole focus is right now in my journey is to really start to understand how I can get algorithms to work for me, how I can get Google to work for me, how I can get um, the ads on Amazon to, to, to start recognizing the algorithm and then it, it'll just skyrocket. Right. right. Yeah. So there's these skills that, that we don't necessarily think about. Um, today I was talking and, and my question for the students were is in my first, in my book that I just published just live three days ago. <laughs> um, it's called, what do you learn at school? And the last question is, what will you remember in 20 years? Oh, wow. And so we were talking about that today and I said like, what's what we were writing down skills that they thought were going to be important in 20 years and what skills they thought weren't going to be important anymore. And it was really, really interesting the things that they were saying and the things that they're thinking and kids are talking about how taking care of garbage is going to be important or else we're not going to have an earth, how farming techniques is going to be important, but also that they said like school is going to be important. We are going to need to learn, but like at an astronomical rate because we're constantly learning and the curriculum is so outdated. So I really try to figure out how I can use that curriculum to teach them 
things that they're going to be at least skills that they can develop for what the right. future is going to hold because things change daily. Oh my gosh. In and the technology world. <laughs> their future includes space travel. Like that yeah. just blows my mind. Yeah. It includes so many different things that we can't as teachers even prepare them for. So I always view it as like, can I teach you how to learn? Can mm -hmm. I teach you how to collaborate? Can I teach you how to think outside the box? Can I think you how to strive and feel empowered? Those are my goals as your teacher. And that's, that's basically what the focus of that book is, is really my goal as your teacher is not for you to like everything that I teach you because that's not going to happen. I don't even like half the things I have to teach. But when the kids say, why do we have to learn this? This is terrible. I say, right here, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them why this is stupid and then I won't have to teach it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, and those are things parents are trying to strive to teach their children too. And I think it's... Yeah. I love the topics of your books because they're so, they're so different and they really hit home, especially as a parent, I'm not a teacher, but these are things that I would love my kids to, to really have um, exposure to. And it's, it's hard to um, do that as a parent. Cause I feel like a lot of kids think you're kind of hokey and weird if um, you know, mom's sitting and meditating again or, <laughs> but they're like real good skills. It really is. Um, I wrote a couple of yoga books. So one is called I Am Fearless, a yoga story for kids and superheroes. And then two other ones were directly linked to the Alberta curriculum. And it's a yoga journey through India and a yoga journey through Peru because I was teaching grade three. And those are two countries we had to study in. So I wanted this way to like introduce the countries in a really fun way that got the kids up and moving, but also taught them about mindfulness and connection and, and learning about all different aspects of the countries. But um, the I Am Fearless one really resonates with kids so much because it asks them those, I am balanced. I am powerful. I um, am a warrior. All of those statements, it really makes they when you're in those yoga poses, it's like, okay, I'm strong. These poses, there's even research behind how the way you stand, the way you, your body language is affects your, um, your outlook on life. And so if you can just stand in that pose, that's I'm a warrior, I'm strong and powerful. There's, there's research on power poses and how that can affect your mental health. And so teaching kids at a really young age, as young as kindergarten, I taught grade three for the last 10 years and now I'm teaching grade five. So teaching those kids those empowerment power poses at such a young age is, is huge. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Where did you start? I mean, you said you're an, you um, are an illustrator as well. So were you always a creative kid? How did that all kind of fold into what you are now? Um, I, I've always been artistic. I've always been able to draw. I never took any specific like courses other than high school art. So it's always just been learning and drawing and learning and drawing. And, and my daughter is super artistic too. She's been since, since day one, we draw together, we paint together there. When my basement wasn't developed, there were, we would paint here when she was four. Cause we moved into, I got divorced when she was two but we moved into our new house when she was four and we would paint in the basement for the walls in our house and there's like little blue footprints all over my basement <laughs> first she would just I just strip her down and we paint and she'd be 
all over the place. And actually every um, piece of art in my house is is from painting the two of us together. So Aww. I know this isn't on video, but you can see in the background like one of my paintings because we're <laughs> we're on video, but that yes. I paint with Ella. I was just um, looking at that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So we we paint together and we and then I also will do all types of art of art. And then I started doing some art workshops as well because it's so interesting when you work with kids versus working with adults, kids, especially young kids, so grade three and below, if you give them paint, they'll just dive in and start painting and they don't care. Yeah. And they won't even, they won't even wait till you're finished giving the instructions right, to touch right, right. the paint. Unless you're like, <laughs> do not touch the paint until I say yes. <laughs> but adults, adults are completely different. They are scared to touch the paint. They are scared to mess up. So when I teach kids, I have to be like, don't touch the paint. <laughs> Do, this is step by step by step. Whereas adults, I'm like, just start. Just throw some paint on the canvas. Don't worry about it. Trust me, it's going to turn out beautiful. Yeah. And so I will teach art workshops to adults, mostly just to get them to feel, be creative, be in that calm space. When I teach art in the classroom, the classroom is silent. They are so involved in their piece of art and they're so focused and so they're using that um left side of their brain where they're just that creative piece of their brain and even when i teach adults once they get into it and are not scared to pick colors and not scared to throw paint on their their canvas <laughs> then it's silent yeah. and you think that getting a bunch of women together at a birthday party for a 40th birthday or something it would be like noisily and cackling and everything but when we're doing the art piece when I do workshops, they're, they're silent and yeah. they're just in their zone. And I've had so many people be like, thank you so much for doing that art workshop for us because now I go home and paint and I've started painting again and I haven't painted since I was a kid. And so I don't do the art workshops as much as I used to because I've been so focused on the book writing and, and learning how to market and everything. But I absolutely just love when I can inspire somebody to get back to something that they loved when they were a child. Why do you think it's so important? That's so important. <laughs> why, do I, why do I think that's yes. so important? Because I'm with you 100%, but I'm just curious. Uh, because we are filled with a society full of anxious people, and we haven't learned how to calm our anxiety. We're in this constant state of go, 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 and we never stop and just let ourselves do, do nothing. We are in this space where we have to just be productive all the time. And if we can take a step back and say, no, I don't have to be. I can just paint this painting. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I'll just paint over it. Right. <laughs> That's the great thing about a canvas. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many paintings from my daughter when she was little. And we kept them and we put them on the wall. And then she'd be like, mom, I don't like that anymore. I'm like, okay, just take it down and paint over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and, but, it, but we're so focused on the product all the time. We're not necessarily focused on in the moment. Let's just be in this moment and have peace and calm and not worry about what the product's going to be. Let's just enjoy this moment. And that's a really hard thing to teach, especially to adults. Right. Because our minds are always going all the time. And that's something that I'm really hoping that the next generation with the increase of mindfulness, with the increase of the focus on empathy in schools, will start to 
we won't have as much anxiety disorders in adults when this this generation comes up is what I'm really hoping for and, and really what the focus of my books are. Because even my book on divorce, because I'm divorced and, I, and one of my student teachers a number of years ago said, why don't you write a book on divorce? There are so many kids in our classroom who are, who are, are from broken homes. So why don't you write your next book on divorce? I was like, that is a fantastic idea. So I went home and I wrote a book on divorce and it takes me longer to write, to do the illustrations. So once I write the book, it usually takes me about a year to get it published because I takes, it takes me a long time to do the illustrations while I teach full time. But the focus of the divorce book too is on, it can, it, you can view it as this horrible, disastrous thing, or you could view it as, this could be really the best thing that ever happened. You could then live in a very calm and caring two separate homes where your parents, while not together, still love you very much. And this is different, but it's not a bad thing. And it's really the perspective that you choose to take. I love that. Yeah. So I know you said these are on Amazon. It, um, mm-hmm. As far as schools go, are there opportunities for uh, um, other districts if they were interested in purchasing books um, to come to you directly, or how does how does that work? Um, for the most part, people just put, put, purchase them on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But I do get like a discount if I purchase them like as the author. But it the conversion between the U.S. and Canada is really bad. <laughs> so it really isn't much of a, but if somebody in the States wanted me to like order them directly for them, then they would be able to get them cheaper if I just ship them straight from my account to wherever it is that they are. And then they just paid me directly in U.S. dollars. That would be probably the most cost effective to get a lot of the books. But otherwise, just purchasing on Amazon is, is the easiest way. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to send out all these links and they're just, they're so different and they're so meaningful and they're not your typical, like when we grew up it was like, you know, spot the dog and Jill and Andy go up the, the whatever. But now I think the, the things that kids have exposure to, um, like this kind of messaging is so cool that they can figure this stuff out before they're 30 and 40. You know, they can yeah. get it. It's, so you've been teaching how many years? Uh, for 15 years. Have Since seen, 2006. Okay. So have you seen a shift in children and understanding these concepts younger and how it's affected society as we've gone on? Absolutely. The focus of, like, if I would have said to my class when I first started teaching, Kay, we are going to do some yoga, they would have looked at me like I was insane. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Yesterday, I was like, you guys need a movement break. We're sitting in our desks because of COVID and you're not supposed to be moving. So we're going to stand up beside our desk and we're going to do some yoga. Or if when I say we're going to focus on our breath, we're going to just breathe because we're too hyper and we're too crazy right now. Yeah. They will sit, they will do sit in crisscross and meditate. And I don't even have to call it meditation because some religions view meditation as a bad thing. So I just call it breath work just going to do some breath work so we'll do like five finger breathing we'll breathe up in and breathe down and bring breathe up and breathe down and it just brings the classroom down and we're none of those strategies were used in classrooms when i first started teaching at least i hadn't seen them and so through being 
obsessed with going to yoga <laughs> and then learning constantly and, and doing a master's. And my focus in my master's was on technology at first because I thought that's where education was going, but then it turned into this focus on how can we utilize technology to be creative mm-hmm. and to explore and, and empower our creative capacities because every person is creative. And I've had so many parents say, well, my kid's not creative. I said, well, maybe your kid doesn't like to draw, but your kid is creative. But they might be creative in Lego, or they may be creative in woodwork, or they may be creative in coding. You right, don't know right. what it is that your child is creative in, but they are creative. Do you know there's like art galleries of this art artist who makes all of this artwork out of scotch tape? like scotch tape there is this whole amazing creative world of scotch tape sculptures wow (laughs) or masking tape masking tape and that kid's mom was probably like unbelievable unbelievable it is amazing and you don't know what it is that your child will be creative in but you have to let them them find their own creative piece and not be like oh, you can't play video games because you're never going to make money at that. Well, maybe you will. There are some people on YouTube who make lots of money by playing video games. And it's things that we don't even think of. Those those traditional, you should go to school because you need to be this, this, and this. that's, That's not the case anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. My daughter loves cosplay and wigs. And she oftentimes will come up with insane makeup. And I... At first I was like, oh my God, like thinking to myself, how are we going to get this off her face? And then I was like, you know what, this is her expressing herself. It's cool. Like go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you just need to let them. Sometimes you need yeah. to be like, okay, enough. But there, there is a thing. I really truly believe that everyone has creative capacities. Maybe it's being a radio talk show host. Maybe it's doing something in nature there's so many ways to be creative and I really think we need to make people aware that creativity isn't just drawing. It's not just being able to sculpt or what you can, what you traditionally think of as art. Yeah. I love the empathy book that you have. Um, and that's something, at least in my scope of my, my children are nine and 13 and I've, what I experience watching them and, um, children they interact with and the kids in their school for me, it seems like a much more empathetic environment from when I was growing up. Do you see the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Empathy is something, it's funny because I published the book on empathy last year, just before school started too. I tend to like get my books done right over the summer and then yeah. just like days before school starts, <laughs> I get all the technology piece done so that I can hit submit and it's like live just before school starts. And We came in and she's like, our focus this year is going to be on empathy and I want every teacher in the school teaching empathy. We want to help people understand that we may not be able to walk in their shoes, but we can show them compassion and caring and empathy. And we really want to build that in our students. And I was like, I just started laughing because I was like, (laughs) this is exactly what, she didn't even know that I was writing a book on this or anything and that I just hit publish like the night before and so that it's it's a huge focus in schools now is how we can show empathy and even today I had a student we're 
in Alberta, they're all getting masks because of COVID. And so all the masks that were delivered to our school were very um, girly colors, which is fine. Like they, they, lots of the boys don't care, but this one little boy was like, I really wanted a yellow one. And there was only these pink ones left. And this one little girl was like, here, you can have the yellow one. I haven't put my name on it yet. I don't like them anyways, but I have lots at home, so I'll just take the pink one. <laughs> and it was the sweetest thing. And she was a brand new student in our class. And she just was like, showed so much empathy for, for this little boy who was, who was upset that he was like, Oh, I really don't want one of those colors. And she was like, I don't like them either, but I've got lots at home. So I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, it's such an and important that's just, thing. you can show empathy in such a small little act like that. Yeah. Like, Here, just take mine. I think the right? adults could use a good dose of empathy nowadays. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's where if they don't, if they're not learning it in school, and their kids are watching the way adults are behaving, you really need to think about that because people are being very judgmental and yes. not caring and showing compassion to people with the COVID pandemic going on. People will snub you if you're not in, in Calgary anyways, if you're not wearing a mask. And there, there are legitimate reasons why people can't wear masks. Yeah. And so... We really need to show them empathy or maybe they just had a really bad day and they forgot to put theirs on. <laughs> right. And if you yell at them for not wearing a mask, they're just going to go home right. and bawl their eyes out. <laughs> and do yeah. we really need that? No. <laughs> Everybody's a little stressed right now. Yes. So we really need to show parents need to learn from their kids in, in that respect, I think, because their, their kids have so much empathy for each other. It, especially in my school that I see and I see it growing more and more as as the kids continue to come up that that has been a focus and when it's a focus they just continue to to see it in different areas too so kids will connect that empathy to to animals or to the earth or to taking care of of something else yeah not just people we just watched um the one and only Ivan the other night and um, mm -hmm. I had read it when my daughter was young, but seeing the movie and it really hit home for her. And she was like, we need to donate and save these gorillas. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it was just so interesting. I think this generation coming up is just really fascinating. They have um, all these skills that they're being taught early, early on. They have, uh, they seem to have a strength that I haven't seen before. And this empowerment that I guess we're giving them um, it's just so cool to watch them know that they can make a change even at their very young ages. Um, you see that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I see kids be feeling like they can make a difference and that one small act can be huge. Uh, not last year because COVID shut everything down, but the year before my classroom created this arcade um, like cardboard arcade from Kane's Arcade. It's like it was like a movement in the states about um, using cardboard to be creative. From this one little boy who made this cardboard arcade in his dad's auto garage, and so we watched the video of Kane's Arcade, and then we decided that we were going to make an arcade on Sports Day, and then we were going to donate the money to something. So we called it Bring Change for Change on Sports Day. And the kids made these cardboard arcades and they bought all of these different like prizes and they had all the rules. And I had kids coming to me the next year saying, are we going to do the same thing on sports day? I know I'm in the next grade, but 
do you think my teacher would oh. let me build a cardboard arcade so that we could be part of it too? Because I want to do that instead of the sports day part. <laughs> I just want to run the arcade. <laughs> and what we did too with the with what to how to donate is all of my students researched a different organization, and then they presented the organization to the class, and then our class voted on which organization they thought would be the most meaningful to donate to. So they all researched all different ones because we couldn't just donate to all, to all of them, even though that right. would be amazing. We had to pick one that was really well, well researched and, and the kids did such a good job and we ended up donating to the Red Cross. So it was cool too that how they had to really critically think about which organization now that they knew a little bit about each of them which would be the best one for us to to give the money to. Well, I think, and I see things like that with kids all the time, where they're making lemonade stands and donating yeah. it to animal shelters. It's amazing. I think social media, although people, you know, really bash it pretty hard, it's also given, especially children, a, an exposure to information that they never would have had before. And when you kind of refocus and shine the light on the positive things that they can find and research and people like you who can guide them down the right path with social media and how to properly um, educate yourself and, and empower yourself, I think it is a huge bonus for this generation to have that at their fingertips. Yeah. And even seeing other examples of children who have done amazing things it is huge and there keeps being more and more examples of children doing this type of work and it's just so empowering to watch as a teacher and and to see the kids get empowered by other kids yeah yeah it's really interesting um so let's see we talked about your books we talked so your background is really in education then you'd mentioned your masters yeah I have a master's in education technology, so it was because I thought that that's the direction that, that schools would be going, was to be really focused on technology. And really what I learned from it is that technology is constantly changing. Yeah, You could be an expert in one piece of technology and in two years it's not going to matter. Right. So really the, the focus of technology should be how can we be creative with it mm -hmm. and how can we use that technology to empower our lives because so many people are just passive consumers of technology so they'll go on and they'll watch YouTube for hours or they'll go on and they'll watch Netflix for hours or scroll through social media or whatever but what I really want and and to focus on with kids is to be creators and to be empowered creators using technology because unlike any time in history we have the power as somebody that's completely unknown to be heard by millions of people. Yeah. And that's something that's unprecedented. And so there, and there's, I read something somewhere about there being like less than like 4% of the population is actually producers of creativity on technology. Most people are just passive mm -hmm. consumers. And so even as a teacher, I think, how can I teach the kids to be producers using technology. So are they making movies? Are they making um, PowerPoints? Are they using Google Slides? Are they building like fake websites so that they can, because they can't be live because of right. um, FOIP rules, but like <laughs> giving them those skills 
that they can be producers rather than, oh, just go to this website and play these games because that's just being a consumer. And there's a balance in, in school, definitely, that you can use technology to be a consumer to learn. Mm-hmm. But there also needs to be that balance of there is this huge, powerful tool where you can get your message out if you can learn how to be creative with it and how to empower others and to, to get others to go behind your movement. I watched this video a long time ago when I was doing my master's of this small village in Africa somewhere. And it, this place was a garbage dump and they had a cell phone and the cell phone had access to the internet. And they you learned through this one cell phone <laughs> with access to the internet to turn that garbage dump into a thriving garden area. Oh, wow. So it was absolutely inspiring. So just having that piece of knowledge that where they could get access to information, this small, like, illiterate basically village was able to completely transform this garbage dump area into a thriving sustainable garden community and it the power of technology is huge yeah there's nothing use it for so much good yeah so much there's nothing like you could teach yourself anything now it's really incredible i love your podcast um episode you had done about um why it's okay to fail how are your thoughts on that? Because I recently, um, I can't remember if it was a, if it was a blog post or what. Oh, oh it was uh, one of these episodes. I had talked about um, failing fast as being a method to um, a, being a designer and going through the design process. So what are your thoughts on it's okay to fail? Well, I think, and, and there's, and there's research as well. I'm, I'm a reader. I constantly am reading and there's research as well behind when we fail at something and we have to constantly try to, to be able to figure it out. We learn so much more than we did would if we just figured it out instantly because we'd figure it out. be like, our brains are like, Oh, that was easy. And then move on to the next thing. But when we fail and we have to put a lot of effort into learning how to do something, we become so much more empowered from it and we learn so much more from failure than we do from being able to do something right away. And so that part is really important and it's really important to instill in people that if you fail, you have to not give up. Yes. Because that's where, where real failure happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's only real failure if you give up because it didn't work the first time. But when you fail and then you try again, and then it didn't work and then you try again and then it didn't work and you try again and then you keep keep trying keep trying keep trying if you read about the the founder of Starbucks i think yes. they were denied like over a hundred times right and so a hundred times they failed and then we're able to create this coffee empire yeah. so if they would have been like well they failed up the, after the first try we would never have starbucks <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's just so many things in our lives that we wouldn't have if somebody had just sat down after their first rejection yeah yeah and i look at that even in my personal life it like if my marriage would have worked i would have never been able to help people the way that i can help people i would never be able to help the families in my classroom the way i actually truly can from a place of empathy and from a place of understanding when their families are breaking up and separating or when the child is going back and forth between two things, what is going on? I really have a 
true understanding of what they're going through. Whereas if I hadn't experienced that and my marriage had worked, I would have never been able to help people the way that I can now. Yeah. I also yeah. wouldn't have had the time to write all of these books. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that too. <laughs> I know it's like the the knowledge gained through the failure is really the gift um, yeah. that you get from that. Yeah, um, yeah I, even, I just love that topic. Even with my books, like my very first book, I did everything myself. I've made my website myself. I've and the first person I had this lady wanting to possibly convert them into a different language because the lady that I learned from had get been getting her books turned into a different language and she was like I really think that you should get somebody else to illustrate the book it's the it's okay to feel one and I said well no the purpose of this book is so that kids can see the very different emotions there are very different pictures but also that they can see sometimes the pictures don't have to be fantastic yeah and because not all of them in that book are great and I and I did that on purpose yeah. because I wanted the kids to be able to see that their feelings can look really different. They can look messy. They don't have to look perfect. And that, and when the lady said that to me, I was like, no, you don't understand the purpose of this book. Yeah. And if it's, that's a failure that it doesn't get turned into different languages, that's okay. Yeah. But even my other books that I continued to publish and then I learned how to use um, Procreate on my iPad. And I bought an iPad and then I learned how to use Procreate. And so then I've been going back over my books that I published in between and started to redo them to make them better with better and more um, digital illustrations just because I wasn't, I got it out to the world. <laughs> yeah. They're great books, but they weren't as perfect as I wanted them to be. So it wasn't a failure, but it's still, it, there's room for improvement. Right. And so I'm continuously going back over them and saying, what can I fix? What can I tweak? How can I improve this book? How can I improve these ads? Those types of things. So it's that continuous learning of, oh, that didn't work. What can I do differently? Oh, this isn't as great as I like it. I got it out to the world. It's, it's okay for now. It doesn't have to be perfect. But there's little tweaks along the way. And even when I, when I teach and the kids hand me in something and they're like, I'm done. I'm like, well, you're never, done. You're never really done. <laughs> you're never really done. No. Because here's the thing. Even when I was writing my master's papers and they're an amazing paper say my teacher gave me an a they still are going to give me suggestions on how i could improve that that yeah. paper no matter what even the, any of the books that i that i publish now they could be improved absolutely yeah am i going to go back and improve them i might or I might leave them and i might move on to the next thing but there's always room for improvement in any area that you're looking at and I think that's something that kids really struggle with and, and adults really struggle with too because they're like especially oh, I adults I don't want to go back and do that again and it's like well you're not going to improve unless you you go back and look at it right or right? even not put something out there because they don't feel like it's perfect yeah because because you can always go back and change it mm -hmm. that's the amazing thing about it yeah, but it, that often becomes a roadblock for people because it's like, oh, well, it's not perfect. It's not 100%. It's not, well, put it out there and keep working on it and yeah. keep going, but don't let it Yeah, ab Absolutely. Just keep going. You don't have to wait until, you can't expect your first book to be a million dollar book yeah. <laughs> in a year or something. And, and you always have to keep going back and then keep moving forward too into different areas as well. 
So I always think like, what, how else can I improve or where, where else is my direction going to take? And so I've started writing um, for adults as well through an online magazine and that's, that's my next big step, right? So there's always pieces, little pieces that we can fail forward and then keep yes. going, right? So what yeah. is your next book? Um, well, I've been working on a book with uh, the girl that I wrote, I Am Fearless, a Yoga Story for Kids and Superheroes, and it's 108 mindful activities for kids. Oh, and we are very close to finishing, but we both need to just sit down and, and get the last little bits done. So I don't know if it'll be out this year or not, but we definitely need to have some time to just sit down and do it because we, we bit off more than we thought we could. And yeah, she 108. She runs. Well, yeah, and 108 is a really significant number in, in yoga. So that's why it's 108 mindful activities. And, and it's really for the classroom and for teachers and for parents. And so it's, it'll be a bit of a different than my regular just picture books. It'll be more of a, a workbook type of guide for, oh, we need an activity that's mindful. What could we do? And activities outside in nature, mm -hmm. drawing activities, um, yoga poses, and how they connect and, and how they, they help you be mindful. Oh, I can't really getting down to the purpose. Because if you go to yoga just for the body movements, you're not doing yoga. You're just getting exercise. Right. But if you go to yoga and you do the mind, body, spirit, yeah. then you're actually doing yoga. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're just exercising like any other exercise class, right? Yeah. And I think that's a real important piece to it is just because you can do an amazing yoga pose doesn't mean you're doing yoga. You yeah. might just be doing gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a yeah. retreat and the yoga teacher, she had said something and I'm, I'm, I've made, can count on two hands how many times I've taken yoga classes, but I went to this retreat and she said, bring yoga into everything you do. And I'd never thought of it like that. Like it's not just you know, the movement, it's actually the, the feeling, the process, like the mindset. I thought yeah. that was really different. I'd never considered that before. Yeah. So you can bring yoga. The asanas are only one piece of yoga. Mm -hmm. So there are, I think seven, I forget, because I did take yoga teacher training, but it was a long time ago <laughs> for, for kids, but not for adults. But I think there's seven and the asanas are only one piece. There's yeah. seven other pieces of yoga that in the yoga studio, you're only really learning the one piece of it. And yoga can be brought into, uh, yoga and mindfulness can be brought into all aspects of your life. So that is, a, it is really empowering to think of that. It can be brought into just taking a moment to take a breath. It can be brought into art. It could be brought into, okay, let's just mindfully walk. Yeah. Let's mindfully eat. What does your food yes. actually taste like when you slow down? They had um, silent breakfast. And it was mm. the most interesting thing to really sit with your food and just every morsel and really pay attention. It was so, it's so cool. Yeah, it is really, it's a different world. And, and people are starting to wake up and to recognize that, this, that these sort of concepts are really helpful for our busy, anxious minds and busy, anxious lifestyles, sure. right? So, especially and, everything we just went through. Yeah, yeah. To just slow down and take it day by day. One of the articles that I wrote for um, the magazine that I started writing for was called "The Mindful Return to School," <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. and it was like all of my worries, but then also 
I can choose to change my mindset because that's the only thing I have control over. I can choose to think, hey, we've got this. We'll take it day by day and we will figure it out. It's not going to be perfect. Our rules when we come into school aren't going to be perfect, but we'll take it day by day and we'll figure it out. Yeah. And so that was really the like the message behind my my article on return to school is we've got this. We just need to be mindful and not let our worries overtake what we can control and we can only control our mindset. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to share that. <laughs> I hear that right now, including myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I cannot wait to get your workbook. That's going to be great. I, I'm always looking for activities to do with my kids that sort of, especially with us when we were in quarantine, just mm-hmm. being out in nature and the things that we could do. Um, yeah. And even the art stuff, the art um, classes that my kids both had still through the end of school, that was our favorite time of day. It was just so relaxing and everybody stopped and did it. It was my husband and my kids and myself and we were listening to classical music and painting and it was so, I don't remember anything else from that. (laughs) It was just that. It's amazing what happens when you just put on calm music and you just let people create. Mm-hmm. It really is amazing what happens. The energy in the space just completely changes and morphs. Yeah. And it is a truly unique experience. And I think we need more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I love this thank conversation. Thank you so much. I can't thank wait you to introduce you so much for having me on. Oh, of course. I cannot wait to introduce my audience to you and everything you have to share. It's just absolutely incredible and really unique and a message everyone needs right now. Thank you. I'm so grateful to meet you and so grateful to be part of your community. All right. Well, thank you. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. I just wanted to thank Amanda so much for coming on. If you guys are interested in her children's books or anything else, I'm going to put all her links in the show notes and you can check that out there. And she also will have a page on Tribe of Unicorns. So you can find her there at tribeofunicorns.com. I hope you guys found inspiration in her story. I hope that if nothing else, her story teaches you that even if you don't have a certain title, you know, an author, or you don't know how to do something, but you have a, an, a yearning to do it because you think you have something to give back to the world or you can solve a problem, go freaking do it. And she is proof positive that you can figure anything out. Everything is figure outable, to quote Marie Forleo. So set your goal, get your plan together, and go achieve all the things. Come back next week for a Fresh Brood episode. We're going to be talking to Leah Jansen, business and life coach, and kind of a badass. Did you know she qualified for Kona? Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Listen in. Listen in.